Welcome into the His Owners Podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. And today we have an amazing episode. The Denver Nuggets are the NBA champions. We discussed that, the unique storylines that come from it, as well as some of the top NFL stories from OTAs. Yes, it's June 15th, but the NFL season really is not that far away. That's all next here on the His and Hers Podcast. Page. I, before we dive into the NBA Finals, all the things that came from it, Nicole Jokic, Jamal Joe Murray, all of that, I want to run a test real quick. Um, your, off the top of your head, your favorite three things about summer, what are they? Hiking, camping, swimming. Okay. Great answers. Your least, your three least favorite things about summer. Mosquitoes, tons of people everywhere, and sunbirds. Okay. It debunks my theory. I, uh, mosquitoes, I feel like I just wanted to see where they ranked because it seems like every single year I forget about mosquitoes. It's always something where I forget how bad they suck. We went on a hike uh, this past week on on Sunday and apparently the bug spray we had was not very good because up and down my legs, there's just a, like 10 to 15 different mosquito bites. You know, when you get out of the shower, you dry for your legs real good. It's more of like a pat dry right now. Cause I don't want to get them going. So it just seems like every year I forget how annoying mosquitoes are, but you had them top of the list. So maybe never, I'm just alone. Never forget about mosquitoes. They stay, they stay on top of mine for you. huh? <laughs> yeah. They're the worst. You, uh, what's the citronella? Is it, is that what's called citronella candles? You, you keep those, candles. you keep those burning up, huh? No, not really. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I just, I just was more curious to see. You're just thinking about just it because you've got itchy legs. I do, but you stay thinking about them. So who really lives in fear? <laughs> what did you make of the NBA finals Four one, the Nuggets? Wrapping up a game five. Uh, the games were good. Series was anticlimactic. And everything kind of culminated the way that we thought. Nicole Jokic continues to be the most impressive, but also least like caring about it. Like he just all of these quotes coming from I'll read you one that I just I just found. This actually came out today. I thought it was hilarious. Malika Andrews was interviewing asking where he's going to put uh, his finals MVP trophy. Uh, not very many people have those. Uh, some people win, you know, like Steph Curry, you know, multiple finals and don't even have one. He says, I really don't know. I left it in the equipment manager's room and it's not there anymore. So I don't know. Doesn't have his finals MVP trophy. Do you think it's a stick or do you just really don't think he cares? I don't know, but I'm annoyed by it. <laughs> I know some people think it's funny, but I think that it's like, I've wanted to punch him. I'm like, dude, you just won the NBA finals for the first time. Not only in your like career, but like in the Denver Nuggets, like entire franchise history. And he just treats it like it doesn't matter. And I just don't love that attitude. <laughs> I'm just like, dude, like the way that he's just like, mm, I don't care. Eh, I don't, it's not that big of a deal. Nobody likes their job. I'm just like, 
what are you talking about? Like, this is no fun. This is the least fun it's ever been to watch someone win their first finals. It is true. I mean, you think back, you know, if we're talking about the NBA and the importance of the regular season, the importance of these games, you know, you think back to when Michael first won him, won his, and that iconic video photo of him crying, holding it up to his head, just, just, you know, soaking in that moment, uh, LeBron James kind of the same type of way when they beat the thunder and you got Jokic who uh, had probably a top, 10 playoff run. I mean, it was a part of the 50 club, you know, the most point, uh, like your points, your rebounds and your assists all added together. There's only like eight other guys who've done it. And, you know, you're on a list with like magic. You're on a list with uh, Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain, uh, you know, those guys. So the best of the best. And for him, like you said, he made comments of like, yeah, I can't wait to go. And I understand going back home where he's from. He's been gone for nine months. I get all of that. But it is very interesting to see how the NBA is just trying to make things matter more. And it just seemed like, he, I don't know if it was just anticlimactic for him. Like he knew they'd won it when they found out they're playing the heat, but it seemed like he was just, he was resolute and, he, and it didn't really move the needle for him. Very interesting. Well, it's like, well, it's like he doesn't, it just gave, it just gives this appearance that he doesn't care about the fan base. Cause he's like complaining about parades. Like I just want to go home. And I'm like, are you seven year old? Like, are you a 17 year old kid? Like, what is this? So I don't know. Like, it's funny. I think it's funny. It's funny when you're not a Denver fan to me, like I'm like, and maybe Denver fans aren't taking like offense to it, but to me, I don't I've, think they care. Honestly, they they're, just want to, they're fine. They're fine to win the championship, but I've just been unimpressed by Jokic. I'm like, dude, like, at some point, like the thing that people love the most about sports is like seeing people do the impossible and, or what, like the seemingly impossible and like feeling connected to someone who like they can look up to and feel like, Oh, like, like I can do hard things and things like that. And it's just like, Jokic just like acts like he works a nine to five job that he hates. And I just, I'm like, dude, you have to pray professional basketball in like the on like one of the largest like stages in the world and you act like you don't even enjoy basketball like they don't understand it now his attitude may be there but the dude is a straight baller uh talking about stats this postseason he had uh over six, uh, 600 points it was first ranked number number one for the playoffs 269 rebounds which was first in the playoffs this year 190 assists which was first in the playoffs year He's the only player in NBA history to accomplish his feat, leading every statistical category and cumulative, uh, you know, and overall. Insanity. You know, there's, there's a lot of different stats that will pop up for you about it. Um, he was the first NBA player in history to have 10 plus triple doubles in a playoff run. He averaged, I think, 0.5 assists shy of a, averaging a perfect triple double, uh, you know, and he, it's just it's, you you kind of can keep you know going with how remarkable the entire thing was he is you know already in the conversation of a top 20 you know player of all time with his you know back to back final or back to back mvps and now this championship run that was truly dominant now when you go back on the history people are, are going to look you know in like 10 years and see that they played the 8th seed they played the 5th seed or the four seed, excuse me. Then they played the seven seed and the eight seed and not understand the context of like how good that Lakers team was, how different of a Phoenix Suns team that was as a four seed uh, and how the heat, you know, 
had a pretty good team altogether. So I hope the history doesn't rewrite it. I don't think it was necessarily an easy path, even though on paper it'll look that way. I, I mean, I don't think it'll ever be beaten in terms of cumulative amount of like your seeds added together. Uh, but I think they're positioned in a spot where they're going to be able to rip off a couple. Mike Malone said it right after the, the, the game was over when they're accepting the trophy moved right into, Hey, we're not done winning, and we're, we're thinking about two and three. Uh, now that they finally got one is kind of starting to seem like it is possible that they could get those next two and get this dynasty really rolling. I don't see many teams that are going to get in the way of how good, you know, the only thing I think that could stop them is health ultimately. Yeah. I just think like they, it's just like one of those things where I think the biggest thing about this team was that, it didn't matter like what the teams that they were playing against came at them with. They were able to adjust quarter after quarter to the successful schemes that would make it so difficult that these teams that they just could never like, it's like, even when they had momentum on their side, like there were times where you thought the Lakers were going to pull out a win and they thought that heat were going to pull out a win, but Denver would just make adjustments and be able to work together so well to be able to capitalize on those adjustments and just continually see transition. And so I think that it's, we're just seeing like another one. It's like Denver's going to be the new golden state that we had. Like they're going to have that run for like three to five years where they're just really, really difficult to beat because they have their guys at the time, the prime time of their age. And they're able to just work so well together as a team. It's just going to be hard to beat a team that's won this championship. They've been at the top. They're at it right now. And it's only something that they can build on from there. What I find in- interesting, you know, talking about the Miami heat side, and now we're starting to already see, you know, NBA is definitely made in the offseason uh, and the offseason rumor, rumor mill is already in full force. You know, there are type of Bradley Bill getting added to the team and, and different things, you know, Davian Lillard and so on. But it was a weird Jimmy Butler kind of ending to all this. And, and there's some people pointing to whether he was hurt. Uh, I'm not 100 percent certain he, he said, don't blame that. I just played poorly. But in the Buck series, 37.6 points, 60% field goal percentage, 44% from three. The entirety of the playoffs, the Knicks series, the Celtics series, and then in the in then in the finals, 23.8 points, 42% field goals, and 31% from three. And again, he got hurt in that game one against the Knicks, sat out uh, and, and just wasn't really the same. What do you make of the heat in this run? It always kind of, no matter how far you make in the playoffs, especially when you make it this far, it always feels like it ends on a bad note. But a truly remarkable run is, do you think there's anyone they can add that will essentially push them over the top of where they've been the last couple of years? Yeah, I think Miami's just one of those teams where like they're right at it, right? I mean, it it kind of reminds me of like a yeah, like the the Cavaliers when LeBron was young, where it's like they would have these really cool runs. They would beat some teams that you wouldn't anticipate them to beat, but then ultimately they would lose in the finals or like in one of the rounds of the playoffs. And so I just think that they're, they're missing a key piece there. I think obviously I think Bam Adebayo is good, but I don't think Bam Adebayo can be your second best player and propel you to win a championship. And so it's like, I just think that we need to have more weapons around Jimmy Butler because it's too easy for Jimmy Butler to get double teamed and for the Miami heat to be completely stalled. And obviously like in the, the Celtic series, you had some really big plays by 
um, Vincent and things like that. And Kyrie, not Kyrie, um, Kyle Lowry to kind of help you propel you when you needed it. But I just, I just think that they're missing a key piece. And I think it comes down to a big guy. Like I think that Bam, he played exceptionally well in game two and he had some good, he obviously had some good ones. It had a good impact, but I think that they need another big guy down there. Like just with, I mean, with between Giannis and like, Jokic, it's just, it's difficult, I think, to win in those situations when you don't have a guy that can match up to the caliber or defend um, those players as successfully as you want them to. And so it was like the odds of the Heat being able to beat like both the Bucks and the Nuggets with the size that they have didn't seem feasible from the beginning. And so it's just impressive that they did it with the Bucks. But I think you definitely saw how much it impacted them in the final series. Yeah, I do think it's a good point. I think overall the Nuggets were just big. Uh, you, you all the way down the front court, you have Nicole Jokic, Aaron Gordon, but even Michael Porter Jr. stands at about six nine, six ten, and he playing he's playing the three for them. So there's just a lot of size on that Denver Nuggets team. And then when you have the point guard, you know Jokic, who you know, I think if you look back to how the Heat played, you know, that two, three, being able to pack the paint with Bam Adebayo, you know, kind of roaming because the Celtics didn't have really anyone that could pull him out. And even if they did, Al Horford wasn't hitting the threes where Jokic was finished shooting 46% from the three point land. Not that he shot a ton of them, but he's shooting them well enough that you can't just, you know, leave him stranded and obviously if you don't have a body on him he'll pick you apart with with this passing so well honestly i thought that was one of the biggest things that Jokic would do is that whenever it felt like the momentum was really swinging to the other team Jokic would just pull up a three-pointer that goes he throws back all the way behind his head and just like throws it up and it would go in and it would kind of like stunt the momentum of the opposing team yeah and so Absolutely. I think that's the biggest problem is like Jokic is just such a threat anywhere on the court. And it's so hard to contain him anywhere that it makes it so that teams like so that Jokic, he knows how to pace it. And when he needs to step up and take shots that he doesn't necessarily take that frequently because he knows he needs to swing the momentum back and kind of slow down the, the offense that they're going with. After what you saw in the finals and the playoffs, I think that the Nuggets lost. They lost once against the Timberwolves, twice against uh, the Suns, and then once in the finals. So they lost four times in four rounds, a pretty dominant playoff run. Obviously, if the Heat, you know, if Jimmy Vela doesn't have that, you know, game, you know, game, you know, uh, series, excuse me, against the Bucs. Maybe this finals looks completely different to play in the Bucks team who maybe found the rhythm and Giannis is playing at that level and, I, and you get that, you know, superstar clash. Now this goes seven, right? So you never know who you're going to end up facing. But if you had to, you know, predict next year, is there any reason why you wouldn't pick the, uh, the Nuggets to repeat after what we just saw? I mean, yeah, there'd be a lot of reasons just because I feel like you just never know what's going to happen in the off season. Like weird things happen all the time. Like the season basketball seasons are really, really long, but I think that there's a good chance that I think it's hard to repeat. Obviously not a lot of teams have done it in the history of the NBA. And so I think that it, they have an uphill battle, obviously being the defending champs are going to have a target on their back all season long. 
but I think if they're able to keep up the like the level of teamwork and that they that if they don't have over and I think one of the biggest problems that you'll see with teams is that once they win, then it starts becoming like uh, an ego problem and not necessarily an ego problem all the time with players, but also like they like this is their career. They're trying to make their money. They're making the moves that are right for them. And so it's like, if you start having all of the players, like trying to like bid higher contracts, they get different options. And so I'm just curious to see if the Denver Nuggets are able to keep everyone there um, that they want to keep there. I mean, obviously like Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr., like really, really big seasons for them. And I'm just curious if like, there's just always opportunity for people to go other places. And so just curious to see what they're able to do. But for now, like, I think like, I would put my money on them being back in the finals again next year. Yeah, I would too. Cause I, I just look at the West and you know, this is not an age thing. You know, you can always say health, but health is so sporadic. You never know who it's going to go after in all honesty. So, you know, if you take that as like a reason, there's, there's no team that's younger than them. That's better than them. And it has the experience that they do, you know, all the teams that you would put maybe on the talent level, like a Phoenix Suns in terms of the superstars don't have the depth. So we'll see what moves they make, but you know, it's just going to be interesting. The stat I saw that kind of sparked my thought on this is I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't know if it actually means anything. I just, again, thought it was interesting. So 30 years, uh, David Stern was the uh, commissioner of the league there were eight different champions in those 30 years. The Lakers, the Celtics, the Pistons, the Bulls, the Rockets, the Spurs, the Heat, and the Mavericks. Adam Siller, Silver has now been the commissioner for 10 years, and he's already up to seven different champions. The Spurs, the Warriors, the Cavs, the Raptors, Lakers, Bucks, Nuggets. I just think that's like weird uh, how that's kind of worked. And obviously, you can think back and, and make those up pretty easily, the six by by. Jordan, the five by magic and the, you know, I, I can't remember how many Larry Bird won, but three or four. So all of a sudden you got half your made up in three teams. And then the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq, there goes, you know, three more Kobe and Powell. There's five, you know, so I get it, but it is kind of interesting how Adam Silver's almost approached that. So again, I don't know if it means anything. I just think it's kind of how he's structured a lot of these CBAs, like even with the new one, we talked about a couple podcasts ago, how it's going to be really hard to have super teams, you know, the three stars, like a, a Bosch, a Wade and, and a James. And so it's going to be really interesting to see if that parody carries forward. So, you know, the Nuggets got their one, but maybe next year, this, you know, the get through uh, with, with their another attempt at it. So the last thought I have on this is I think it speaks to the fact of just sticking with your guys this was, you know, going on like fourth or fifth year, running it back with kind of a lot of the same core. They had intermixed some pieces here and there, but the Nuggets knew what they had. They knew if, that if they were just healthy, that they, you know, the GM and the owner, they all believed that they could actually make that push. And they stuck with Mike Malone, who's been the coach for the last eight years. And I just think it's really cool, you know, too often, especially I feel like in the NBA, they're very quick to fire coaches to, you know, move everybody for one or two guys. Like I think back to the Lakers, you know, they win the championship. They lose in the first round of the Suns, which I think they lost because of health. I think they're fully healthy. That team was pretty good. And instead of like, Hey, you know what? It was unfortunate. AD missed a lot of games or role players missed a lot of games. Let's run it back. They trade everybody for Russell Westbrook and it put them so far behind and wasted a year of LeBron James 
Uh, and so I think this is just a testament that if you're patient, if you just roll and keep going and let you guys build camaraderie and depth and the culture is, you know, is implanted there, that good things will follow. Love it. No more uh, basketball for four months. Are you sad? I'm sad. Just watching that. I just love the playoffs, but I, I, I'm always disappointed when there's no game seven in a final series. But yeah, when it's just game five, especially there's no drama. Really, yeah, no excitement. We'll leave Jokic with this one last quote. I thought this was hilarious. This is a real quote. They didn't believe in the fat boy. Don't bet against the fat boy. <laughs> That's a real quote from an NBA go, player. Go Jokic. <laughs> so we looked at the NFL OTAs have started. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of voluntary workouts, voluntary mini camps over the past couple months. But now we're into mandatory mini camp season and there's already been some initial drama. Stephon Diggs for the Buffalo Bills just decided to make it the weirdest week for him and the Buffalo Bills as possible. It was first reported that he wasn't at OTAs with the Bills. And there was a quote by Sean McDermott that said he was very concerned. This was Monday. And then his agency came out. No, he said he's in Buffalo. He's there all Monday. Uh, He just left right before practice on Tuesday. And then he ended up practicing on Wednesday, and then the Bills canceled practice for Thursday. Kind of strange. I want to read you a quote. We had a good conversation from uh, head coach Sean McDermott. Uh, Great communication. We got to a point yesterday where we just felt like we all needed a break and some space. So I gave Steph permission to get some space and head out and pick up those conversations after practice. So let me make it clear. It was not Steph leaving unexcused. He was excused by me. So those conversations have got us to what I think and believe is a great spot. This was after, again, he was quoted to saying he was very concerned by Stefan Diggs' absence. Now, we have some personal experience with this as Minnesota Vikings fans. Um, we dealt with this. What is your take yeah, and what is your belief on what lies ahead for Stefan? Stefan's a hot – I mean, Stefan – Stefan is a hothead. I mean, I think everybody who oh, they're going to say a hot man, that too, but he's a hothead. <laughs> and I, so anybody who follows him kind of knows that. And I think that it was pretty clear this last, I'm, I'm honestly like, I haven't been shocked by this at all because of what it transpired during the playoffs this last season. Stefan was visibly upset on the sideline during their games about how the play calls, he didn't feel like he was being targeted enough Sound, it seems like he's a little bit PO'd at Josh Allen. And so, I mean, this is just kind of like Stefan's thing, right? Like he wants, to, he wants to win a championship so badly. He wants to be in the Super Bowl. And I think that he made the move to Buffalo anticipating that that was going to be his move, that they were going to be able to do it. And so I think obviously his frustration has mounted, but this is just kind of is what he does. Like when he's not, mm-hmm. when he's like annoyed by anything that he kind of like throws these little fits. I bet he's called his agent a hundred times saying that he wants to be traded. So I don't know. I'm like nothing new with nothing new for us when it comes to Stefan. Well, yeah, and it's just interesting because there was just so many weird quotes coming that came out on Tuesday. 
Ian Rappaport's reporting that they were working through an issue. And then when McDermott was asked, he said, uh, I feel like we're through it. I mean, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, and I try to look, I know that they did some very unique things with this contract. I know he's about the fifth year or the fifth highest paid receiver in the league right now. So his salary for the year is only 1.1 million, but I know they converted about 16 million over to him earlier this spring into a signing bonus. You know, he's at about 18, 18 and a half million on average, which puts him at about um, 24 million is his average salary, which is the fifth highest in league for wide receivers. So, which in all honesty is kind of where I put Stefan Diggs when I talk about receivers in the NFL. And so I don't know where it's going to land. I just remember in his last season with the Vikings, it was after the bears game and all of a sudden he wasn't at practice mm-hmm. uh, for that week. And, you know, it, you know, it was kind of brushed under, not really talked about till after the year, but I, I guess he was disgruntled with his targets, even though he had that, like his best statistical season up to that point. And obviously he's proven his value with the bills. Uh, but I do think there wasn't anything before then with Stefan Diggs, but then all of a sudden it like flamed up and burn out and he was out. This could be, you know, one of those situations where they're able to bury it because they want to see if they can make that run to the Super Bowl. And the Bills can't afford to lose him. I mean, they if they if they lost to Von Diggs, they'd have the worst receiving core in the NFL. Yeah. It's all just gonna so be a move for Stefan. Yeah. Have you seen the have you seen all the conspiracy theories that it's because Stefan wants to go back to Minnesota? Oh yeah, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think that's the move? You don't think he's you don't think no. he thinks he's gonna get his championship out of this 2023 and Minnesota Vikings team? No, that's uh that is not that is wild. Um, but no. Oh, so Stefan Diggs signed a four-year 96 million dollar contract, including 21 and a half million signing bonus, seven million guaranteed, and an average annual salary of 24 million. Wow. So he got uh, this base salary of 1.1, he got a signing bonus of 16 million and a restructure bonus of 6.7 million. This is kind of random, but have you ever looked at how much, like, so there's his contract of what that number is and then versus what the athlete takes home? Have you ever looked at that stuff? No. Okay. So this is, this is just kind of random as well. But now that we're talking about millions, it, it's always just kind of funny putting perspective what these guys are actually taking home you know what i mean let me find let me find an example i I was sending this to my buddies Uh uh-oh this might be bad bad podcasting here why do you think wide receivers are all divas a little sidebar you can't just blanket statement people like that but more often than not am i wrong I mean, I think because it's one of the flashier positions and it's such a, it's like most people, when they think of professional sports, when they think of football, like more people are going to be able to name quarterbacks and wide receivers than any other position. Yeah. So I think it just comes with the territory. You got to be a little bit of a showman. Sure. Okay. So this is an example and I have a thought off that, but Jimmy Butler plays in Florida has no state income tax, but listen to this $45.1 million salary for 23, 24. 
he has $16.72 million taken out in federal tax. That's just like, that's crazy. He has zero in Florida tax. 1.36, he's got to pay it to his agent. I didn't even know this existed, but there's a jock tax in the United States. So he has 680,000. Uh, What's a jock tax? I don't know, but it's in this, uh, this guy's tweet. Just being a uh, jock. 420 taken out for FICA. So $45 million salary, he takes home $26 million. Obviously, no one's complaining, but it also is kind of crazy. This is the one that I thought was hilarious. So Jamal Murray, $31.65 million was the salary. 11.71 taken to federal. 695 for Colorado. 950 for agent. 943 for jock. $3.17 million for NBA escrow, $742,000 for FICA Medicare, $31.65 million salary. He takes home $13.43. <laughs> That's gross. Why didn't I become a sports agent? He takes home nine hundred fifty dollars on one guy? Yeah. And he's nuts. He is well, well, that's why you know Lamar Jackson didn't want to pay an agent. Bless him. I think most of them take like 1% of what they sign you for or 1% of what they get you in guaranteed money. But the NBA agents would be the easiest thing in the world because you'd be like, I'm Jamal Murray. I'm the second best player on your team. Give me the max. Yeah. Okay. Like if I was an NBA player, I wouldn't he have probably an agent. He probably has to have like four serious conversations a year about Jamal. Yeah. I guess like I, the only way that an agent can make up his money is if he's getting endorsement deals. Other than that. Uh, but yeah, back to the NFL. I, where did I get off on that? Tan oh, I just think about, you know, 24 million that he has paid annually. And then how much of that is actually taken out, especially in New York. In New York City. I mean, come on. Um, not New York City, but New York State. Uh, but the whole the whole premise, I think, is funny. I think that the bills are at this kind of inflection point where if it doesn't work out this year, I think Sean McDermott will be gone. Yeah. They missed their uh, opportunity. Yeah, they really did. Obviously last I think, year. I think they missed it the last two years. If I'm being honest, I don't think, I don't think that franchise it's going to take them a couple of years to recover from losing in 14 seconds to Patrick Mahomes when they had him on the ropes. Yeah, that was sad. You know, you, you hold them there. You host the playoff game against Cincinnati to go to the Super Bowl. You, you host that in Buffalo. Isn't that crazy? That moment right there kind of switches a lot of trajectory stuff because then, you know, maybe they beat the Bengals and Joe, you know, the whole Joe Burrow myth mythology doesn't escalate to the point of where it's at, which then changes how the Bengals are viewing his contract negotiations now. There's so much that changed off of them kind of losing that game. And now it's affecting them because Stefan Diggs, he really does want to win. You know, he is about his targets. He wants to make his money, but he really, really wants to win. And I just don't think that it's a coincidence that the last time you saw him on the field, he's yelling at Josh Allen, frustrated in that playoff game against the Bengals. And now we're, what is it, five months later, and he still isn't like there. Yeah. I don't think it's coincidence. Like if, if we didn't have that video at the end of the year, or if that didn't happen, I could see it where it's like, you know what, maybe they're just working through this, that, and the other, but to have that be the last thing we see. And immediately, you know, he misses all the voluntary stuff and it moves into this. It's like there, where there's smoke, there's fire. And there seems to be a heck of a lot of smoke right now. Yeah. 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 Can't wait to see what happens. 
any other NFL news that you've been keeping your eye on? Dalvin Cook is released. Um, Dalvin Cook is released you know, from the-, the Minnesota Vikings, and we're all sad but also happy. And also so very happy. Are there any other NFL news that are catching your eye? No. The Patriots are close to signing DeAndre Hopkins. Crazy. Uh, no, I think the only other big football news is baby Gronk. Okay. Baby Gronk. Have you read much about old baby Gronk? Yes. <laughs> what are your thoughts about baby? Gronk? Um, I think he's and being groomed father. and that perhaps people should look into the father. In what ways? Have you ever, it's like. The fact that he's a child and he's on an extreme training program that he diets and his food is insane. It's like one, I had, I have a bunch of friends who are like child development specialists and we, they were talking (laughs) one day, this is random, but we were talking one day and apparently, and I learned that it's actually like not good for children to do weight training. Because their muscles are obviously so small, but they're growing so quickly that too much weight training can actually stunt growth in children. Well, that makes sense. Um, And so it's not actually recommended for you to start weight training until like late teens. Um, And so anyways, I just thought it was really interesting. And so when I was reading that article, I was just thinking about that conversation I had with friends that I'm like, um, you probably shouldn't have your 10 year old, like only eating salmon and brown rice and, uh, making him train six days a week. Like he's a child. Let him be a kid. That's my thing. It, it, it has that, um, symptom of someone living vicariously through their son. And what's really sad about it is that it's been done before. I remember watching, I think it's a 30 for 30, but it was a documentary on robo QB, I got to look up what his name is because if you haven't seen that documentary, uh, Todd Marinovich uh, was the name of the kid, but his dad kind of took a lot of the same path, but it was before social media. So it wasn't as at that level, but this is a guy who his father swore uh, that he was going to make him into the best quarterback ever. And, you know, ended up where he actually did uh, get a full ride to USC actually did end up making the NFL, but, obviously uh, didn't do anything because no one else heard of him other than that. But this has a lot of the same elements. I just think it actually is a little less serious because it seems so clickbaity and it seems so like, like trying to become social media famous as opposed to what this was of a guy who actually thought he could make his son the best quarterback and wasn't really about the press in that way. So it, it's sad because the dude's 10 years old. Like you have no idea how good the kid's going to be. There's, I mean, the, the NFL at any other, I mean, the NBA is at that level too, but it's like, you have to be strong enough. You have to be fast enough. No amount of training can get the guy who isn't big enough or strong enough ready to play in the NFL. Like, you no, but, can't. Even, but even there, I think there's an element of like being able to play in the NFL requires a different level of focus and like a, intention and love for the game then you can train like you have to be born with like that for me for like the biggest piece of it is like you have to be born with someone that like you eat breathe and sleep and you're so dedicated that it's like you're willing to work out three times a day because that's what you want to do and like you think about it constantly 
And so I don't know. It's just like, there's an element too, where it's like, you can't like program that into a kid by like, and also it's just going to make the kid resentful to the dad, right? Of his whole life. It's all he ever talks about is this kid playing football. But I think the best thing about it all is like all the Twitter arguments. Like, I'm like, it's been so funny. If you read all of those, you talked about Todd Marinovich, but it's like all the ones that are like Todd Marinovich, hold my beer. Or like, it's just like, everyone is like pointing out of like, this has happened before and it's happening again. Yeah, history has a way of repeating itself. Uh, but yeah, I like to you know to so touch on you gonna what, you gonna start training Piper to be a professional athlete. Oh, we already got her in the gym. She's working on her sky hook to be the next uh, Kareem. Uh, you know, fall in the footsteps. I just think it's interesting. I it's just like you said. Not only do you have to have that work ethic, but you have to be the top zero point one percent of athletes to do it. Like you just have to be so freakish in order to reach that level. And the, the truth of the, like, if you're going to bet, you obviously bet that he you know wouldn't, but I would have a higher chance that he's going to hate the game of football by the time he's 14 years old. Man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel bad for him. There's been a lot of like uh, examples of him, like DMing a lot of people in sports media, you know, trying to build up the clout. Uh, the dad been, or the like, boy? The dad, the dad wrote, uh-huh boys all the boys socials and he goes like on podcasts and think it's funny to tell his boy what to say and it's just like this this couldn't be a bigger situation of i'm you know of a dad trying to live through his son because he didn't have the life that he thought he should sad it really is sad but all right well do you have anything else other than baby gronk we just we disown baby gronk and his dad uh wish well to baby gronk i think yeah don't disown disown not baby Gronk. Baby Gronk is fine. It's his dad who needs some therapy. Kind of a cute kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. The full tattoos. Love his chain. Two sleeves. Yeah, he's got that the big old diamond chains. Kind of nuts, actually. So <laughs> Yeah, he's just uh finding his inner Kirk Cousins with those. Yeah, facts. Uh speaking of Kirk Cousins, the Netflix series releases July 12th. I don't know if you saw the com- commercial Let's for that go. For the quarterback going to look that looks good can't wait to watch that for uh, as as we move into the summer we'll think of different topics maybe some drafts move into football season and some various topics regarding nba free agency and the draft that are also coming up as well yeah it might uh, even so thank might, you might uh, cover, for tuning in we might recover some baseball sure I was at the Padres game last night. Juan Soto is now my favorite player in MLB. There we go. You see Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, I did. Uh, Manny Machado. Yeah. There you go. Those are names I know. Who'd they play? <laughs> the Guardians. Or as you might have known them as the Indians. That sounded fake for a second. I was like, the Guardians of the Galaxy? I don't <laughs> even know. Jeez. Yeah, we'll cover a little baseball. Little bit of World Cup. Not that that World Cup that was last year. No, World Cup's happening this summer. No, it's not. For the women. Paige, the World Cup is not happening. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. It literally just happened this fall. (laughs) What are you talking about? Okay. Women's, yeah. Women's. (laughs) There we go. All right, right, go women's USA. (laughs) That has been this episode of the Hizzlers Podcast. Thank you for tuning in.
Until next week, have a good one.